this morning I will complete a couple of thoughts that I didn't get to touch on last Sunday. Um, and then I will go on after that to the topic that really concerns me today mainly is around the Holy Spirit and the uh, Spirit-filled life. And being a Pentecostal congregation, Pentecostal not in the denominational sense of the word, but in the biblical sense of the word, the gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit-filled life, the... Uh, the, the uh, Life based on Pentecost, that time where we see that the Lord visited powerfully with his Holy Spirit, those believers who were waiting in the upper room. So just briefly, I do, Marlene, I, I decided at the last minute to go to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and use that as a base. You know, we've been, we've been using uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, um, and you, you have that sense already, the community, the, the life of the believers in those first days of the church, as the church was sort of being wired um, after Jesus ascent to heaven. But um, let me just now be a little more direct in terms of the topic that concerns us and uh, just give you, uh, you know, this scripture where the Holy, his, the Holy Spirit leads the Apostle Paul to alert the church about the need to live a spirit-filled, spirit-enlivened, spirit-enriched life as believers. And so he says, and the, really the verse that, that concerns the most is verse 1. It says, now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. And you might as well take that as a, from the very mouth of God, from the Holy Spirit himself to you and to me and to Congregation Lion of Judah. God does not want believers to be uninformed, uneducated, um, lacking practice, lacking understanding about that dimension of the life of a believer, which is the, the fullness of the Spirit. There are many different dimensions to the life of a believer. You can think, for example, of sanctification being an important thing. Bible literacy and knowing the Word of God and knowing how to manage it and use it adroitly in the difficulties and challenges of life. Bible knowledge. There is um, service. Uh, there is prayer. But there's one department, if you will, in the life of the believer that God does not want us to be uninformed, uneducated, um, awkward about and that is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That is a strategic element. Jesus said, you know, to the disciples, don't go anywhere. I've given you many commandments. But do not initiate anything without having the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, when the, uh, the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost, it established, uh, you know, I'll use a fancy word, a paradigm. It established a prototype, a foundation for every believer. And I'm already get, getting ahead of myself here. Um, which is that, you know, in, 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 in the physical universe, everything requires energy, everything. If, if the sun shines, it's expending energy. If I move my finger just a tiny little bit, I've had to use energy. If I bat my eyelashes, I'm using energy. If I breathe, I'm using energy. 
whatever it is, you know, any movement, anything that takes place requires some sort of mobilization of energy of some sort. If there's light, there's energy being consumed, even if it's a passive thing, but it's life and light. If you eat, you're consuming energy, everything. Well, the same thing happens in the realm of the spirit. Whatever you do in, in the realm of the spirit, you are consuming energy. Now, where does that energy come from? Where does the fuel to accomplish the things of the spirit come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit being filled, and being filled once, but then being filled over and over and over again, and living out a spirit-filled life. As I say, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but that's okay. Uh, but, um, you know, I cannot tell you, I know over the years, of course, I, I share about these things over and over again, because they merit repetition. But you require, I require, the anointing, the fuel, the provision of the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do things in the power of the Holy Spirit, that action has a quality and it has a weight and a richness that it will not have if I only do it in my energy or, or in the information that I get from reading the Bible or my, edu my theological education or my charisma or whatever, or my, just my physical energy, my personality. There is some supernatural quality to an action that is undertaken in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the faith that what we are doing is being undertaken in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we confess, it's not me, it's not what I do, but it is what the Holy Spirit in me and through me is accomplishing. And when we give the Holy Spirit the glory, something extraordinary happens. And we need to be aware of that. There are a lot of mysteries. Believe me, the, the world of the Holy Spirit is an abyss. It is profound and limitless. And um, there are many, many things to glean and to learn from the Word of God. And I encourage you to be students of how to uh, adeptly, skillfully use the weaponry, which is so diverse, of the Holy Spirit. And this is why I think the Apostle Paul, in the many things that he's saying, you see, that now, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Why does he say now? Well, he, because before that, he's been speaking about a lot of different elements of the Christian life. He's, he's spoken about, you know, the abuse of the Lord's Supper. Uh, he's spoken about menial, quotidian, daily things about, you know, in that time covering the head in worship for women. That's a deep thing. I don't want to get into that right now. There's a lot of topics that he discusses, a lot of different things on, on the daily life of the church. And among those things, now he says, now, having discussed all these other things, I want to dedicate myself to one particular topic the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what he goes on. He says, now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And you should, that should be a burden on your life. God, if you feel uninformed, uneducated, untutored, inept about the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the mysteries and the subtleties of the Spirit-filled life, and that's just a call for you to study, pray, seek more understanding. And this is what we're doing today. We want to provide you with some of those uh, uh, pieces of understanding. And says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Well, he's talking about, and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to almost forget about what I, uh, the, the, the summary that I wanted to give you about the other stuff, but uh, maybe I'll get a chance to because, you know, he, he's, he's talking, you know, these people are moving in a pagan context. 
these individuals, these Corinthians, where do they come from? When they converted to Jesus, where, what were they before that? They were santeros. They, were, they practiced witchcraft. They practiced the occult. They had been dedicated to idols and to demonic beings when they were children. They lived their entire life going to uh, pagan temples, worshiping demons, really, clothed and disguised as gods and as beings worthy of praise. But ultimately, they were simply robbers, stealers of the glory that only is due to God. And so when they worshiped those uh, idols in their ignorance, they were being demonized. They were being clothed and contaminated by demonic energies. And now they have converted to Jesus. And now they are in a Christian context, but full of ignorance. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have precisely 1 Corinthians, for example, to study. These individuals, you know, have just uh, badly educated pastors, you know, who, who have become, you know, believers and so on, and, and uh, they, don't, they didn't go to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary or Dallas Theological Seminary, or they didn't take YWAM's uh, Bible literacy course. These are men who are untutored, and so th- these people are not getting good, solid teaching about the mysteries of the Christian life, yet, that's where the Bible is written. We have that benefit. So, you know, he's talking to these uh, converted pagans. You, you were influenced and led us straight to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Something as basic as confessing Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior requires an intervention of the Holy Spirit. It, it requires a breaking of curse. The curse that prevents people from acknowledging Jesus as Lord and saying he is Lord. I've ministered to demonized people over the course of my ministry. And I can tell you they hate the name of Jesus. Demons, demons do. Many times uh, demonized people cannot pronounce the name of Jesus. And I've discovered that is one good way to break the, the haughtiness of a demon sometimes uh, in, a, in a deliverance session. By forcing them to confess who defeated you on the cross, and they, do, they fight all they can to not say Jesus. And when, you, when the demon says Jesus, you know, you know that they're near being defeated and, and expelled. Because they are haughty, and they sometimes they say all kinds of things. You know, they laugh. They claim that that individual belongs to them. They argue like a, a, a district attorney um, against their, their, uh, the, the, the accused and so on and so forth. But when they confess the name of Jesus, when they say that they were defeated by Christ, who is the Lord, these kinds of things, when they confess they're broken and their hold is loosened and then they have to leave. So, you know, this is one of the mysteries of, of uh, the name of Jesus, the power that there is in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus alone is like, it's a sword. It is a radioactive piece of kryptonite against the, the Satan. And uh, learn to use that name. Learn to claim the power of that name. Learn to, na- learn to walk in the power of the name of Jesus. The power of the name of Jesus is a, is, a, is a sword. It's a pointed rock that you throw at the forehead of the enemy. And um, if you can confess Jesus sincerely, openly, as your Lord and Savior... <laughs> that's a huge thing. The enemy doesn't have a power on you. And we could go on and on there. But anyway, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. It's not different spirits, 
Pagan people believe that, you know, even in Catholicism, you know, superstitious Catholics, I've, I've known them, and again, I say that with great respect toward the Catholic religion. There's a lot of wonderful, wonderful believers in the Catholic Church, but there's also a lot of ignorance because the Catholic Church has, unfortunately, and I say this as I speak of my brothers and sisters, evangelicals have a whole lot of stuff also to clean up in their own house. But one of the things, you know, that many Catholics are in ignorance, they, they don't get taught, they don't get educated, unfortunately, about the Bible. Somehow, it's, it, people think that they're going to believers are going to catch it by osmosis. You need to be taught about the Bible, and um, so uh, you know, in Catholicism, there's a lot of. I know in my Dominican context, for example, you go into a house and you see a saint for this, a saint for that. You see a una vela, a candle to San Enegildo, San Benedicto. You know, there's a saint for truck drivers. There's a saint for uh, unrequited un, uh, lovers. Uh, there's a saint for you know uh, nurses, uh, whatever. You know, it's like, different, it's like different gods for different functions, you know? It's like, you know, you have a specialist God for each of the different difficulties and needs of, of humanity because it's a proliferation of God. It's polytheism. So uh, Paul is saying, hey, no, no, no. There are different gifts, different powers, different ministries, but there's only one spirit that distributes them according to his will and his sovereignty and lordship. There are not three gods. There's one God in three. Three gods in one. Don't ask me to uh, parse that logically and rationally. But he's trying to get them out of that pagan mentality of many gods doing many different things. Saying, no, it's only one God, but there are different gifts. And he distributes them as he will. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of uh, working, but in all of them and everyone... And in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is Paul the teacher, Paul the theologian. Paul, the man who has received extraordinary revelation from God, uh, sharing his insight with um, these people that he is writing to, and to us as well now, 2,000 years later. But these are some of the subtleties he's saying that pertain to the spirit-filled life. This is what, uh, this is what matters uh, these are the details, and you should know about these things here. And maybe at some point, I will, in another moment, get to discuss it in more detail. But today, really what I wanted to uh, emphasize to us is that among those values that our church holds dear, among those distinguishing characteristics, among those governing values that if they ask you, what are some of the things that Lion of Judah really values and appreciates? What, what, what are the elements that, that make up Lion of Judah's mission, vision, statement, and governing values? I, I mentioned last week, and as I said, I didn't get to uh, complete the, the thought. We mentioned that the last thought that, that, that I had, the last uh, principle was about being a compassionate patient church as we accompany people through the process of sanctification. That Lion of Judah has to be a pastoral congregation. 
made up of many pastors. That means you. You, you should not leave to me or to Pastor Sam or, or to um, uh, Brad Gillespie or to whoever, you know, or, or the other pastors here, the task of being uh, pastoral. Being pastoral means having a heart, the heart of a shepherd. And you can do that. You can exercise the heart of a shepherd calling somebody at home who's lonely and alone and, you, and ministering to them, taking a, sharing a plate of food with someone, uh, visiting someone in a hospital, welcoming someone here at church. That shouldn't be just the pastors who do that. You should feel empowered. You should feel that you have the authority, the wherewithal to come to someone representing your church and greet somebody. And, and, and bless them. And so it, 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 we, need to be, we need to have a heart of compassion. And we need to know that the journey, that the Christian walk is a journey that you are not, you know, you, you, you don't uh, just accept Christ and all of a sudden you're, you're uh, totally made and completely sanctified and no, no defects and no temptations and no evil thoughts in your mind. No, it, it's a journey. It's a process. And uh, we need to accompany each other. Through the process, when somebody falls, you pick them up. Amen. When somebody uh, sins, you don't kick them and say, you know, go to hell. There you are. No, you, you, you get down with them. And as you get down with them, you're remembering that you also could be there except by the grace of God. And that you have been there probably, if you're honest about it. And that this is one sinner picking up another. And I don't mean sinner in the sense of one who practices sin willfully and uh, all the time. But in the sense that, you know, we are sin prone. We are frail. And that we should never feel that somehow I've achieved it all. And now I'm helping these poor devils somehow, you know, by, with my grace that I'm deigning to give to them. No, we should always have this sense of owing. We're all debtors before the grace of God. We are all uh, kidnapped by the, the love of that father who keeps working with us, even though we don't deserve it. And Lion of Judah should be a church made up of individuals who both acknowledge their own sinfulness, but also extend grace to those that are struggling. It takes a long time for, for, for people to be freed of practices that they have engaged in, sometimes since they were little. People have been, who have been abused sexually, physically. They have not, there are people who have never known even how to sit in, 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 before a table with three other people and have a, a, a conversation over dinner. And how to use a fork and a knife, or how to use, you know, how to go to a restaurant in order. They have not had that kind of life. And now they come into the kingdom. You know how it takes time for the brain to be wired. And as I say, one of the things that the Church of Jesus Christ needs to know more and more is about the, the, the connections between neurology and, and spirituality. Because we are, we have a brain up here, people. And... Um, and that brain and that neurology does affect us. And that neurology needs to sometimes be rewired. The brain uh, establishes connections over practices over the long haul. And, and then it is, it's like a record, you know, that keeps playing the same tunes. And even when we're not aware of it. And then sometimes those things seem to be broken. And new connections need to be established. The old one needs to be broken and, and loosened and dissolved. And new ones need to be established. It, it takes a long time to do that. Now, it doesn't mean that God cannot do extraordinary things. He does. But we need a pastoral community. And Lion of Judah, if we're going to reach those people out there, and those of us who are here also dealing with our own sinfulness, we need to be a church that, that, that uh, ministers to each other. Congregation Lion of Judah should be known as a church that when, when people are in struggle, they can come and feel safe. 
that this is a, a, a missional, pastoral, compassionate, loving, patient, understanding congregation. I leave you with one verse, and then, you know, uh, Galatians chapter 6. Um, just, just to study it on your own. Galatians chapter 6, uh, begin with verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit sh should restore that person gently. Lion of Judah needs to be known as a church of restoration, of gentle restoration. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Don't be haughty. Carry each other's burdens, mutuality, and in this way you will, fill, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. I'm going to run from that text because I'll be tempted to just stay at it, and then I'll betray my real intent, which is to talk a little bit more about the, the this Holy Spirit. Meditate on that. Think about it. Parse it. Uh, exegete it in your own time. Now, the next uh, value that I want to discuss with you, uh, beyond the value of being a signal, a sign, a prophetic sign, uh, to this uh, community beyond the value of being a, an orthodox, biblically based, solid, historically based in, in our theology and our beliefs, church, the value of also being a church of transformation and change, vitality, Holy Spirit change in people's lives, growth, continual changes, uh, renewing of the Spirit and providing you with the tools of that. That's important. And then also being a church that is um, uh, compassionate in that journey and patient and, and uh, skilled in caring for those that are in that journey of renewal and uh, fighting with the demands of the Word of God, which is so strong and so clear. In, in that process, we need to be a people of the Spirit. Lion of Judah needs to be known as a congregation that gives freedom to the Holy Spirit. It needs to be known as a congregation that values the, the Spirit of God. And it is a Pentecostal, again, Pentecostal, I'll say with a small p. We are not denominational. As a matter of fact, if you want to know, we are affiliated with the American Baptist churches of Massachusetts and of the USA. We're Bapticostal. We're Baptist and Pentecostal. And actually, also, if you want to know something else, you know that we also have a, a past, and we are technically and officially affiliated with the Conservative Baptist of America as well. Um, because also, you know, we believe in, in conserving those values. There's a history to that. But, you know, somewhere along the way, we've kind of become something else. And, uh, but, you know, we do have that Bapticostal uh, element in us, and I'm very proud of that balance, what that kind of name uh, suggests. Uh, but we need to be known as a Pentecostal community. And you must ask yourself, then, are, are, is, is my church aligned with that vision? Are we doing things that suggest and that point out to the commitment that we have to producing a spirit-filled people? So that this morning, for example, when we took time to pray and to just come forward, and I, I shared a little bit about the Pentecostal dynamic, break the order, break the, you know, just the uh, monotony of the service 
and asked people to come forward and get out of their seats. And then we took time to minister to each other in the time of ministry as well, because we believe in the anointing. Um, It's not just uh, my standing here and teaching. You see, there's something about the energy of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is energy. It's dunamis. It's, it's It's dynamite. It is power. It is anointing. It is authority. All of these words point to the need for something mysterious, for an energy that comes from God alone. And um, I appreciate what we did on Friday. I appreciate and I thank uh, Dr. James Sedaris for being there at the helm and and the leadership because, you know, I, I love to associate with people who are hungry for the Spirit of God. I love to associate with uh, unruly believers who like to make noise because I'm a person who, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not inclined to do that. You know, my temperament is different, but I've learned over the years that you have to associate with individuals who compliment you because if I associate only with people who are like me, everything would be very dignified and, you know, very orderly. But I, 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 for me, uh, spontaneity is an acquired taste. Although, you know, I do, I, I do enjoy a good joke. I laugh, and my wife sometimes says, if your people would see what you're doing now when they're with the kitchen, they would be surprised. I, I love that. You know, it's not that. But, I, you know, I do enjoy. I think in the, this is what about different gifts in the kingdom. You know? It, it, some people carry a sword. Others carry a book. Others uh, carry a pot. Um, but the, we're all, we all have our weaponry. Um, and uh, the, the, this is the beauty about the body. The hand has one function. I can't see with my hand. I see with my eyes, but I can't grab with my eyes. I can't, I can't walk with my stomach. I walk with my feet, and my feet don't digest the food that I eat. My stomach does. And so all of these different organs and, and uh, uh, elements of the body, they work together and they make this beautiful thing, which is the human body, with all its mystery, all its different functions. Isn't that wonderful? But it is really one thing. We say stomach and hand and eye and brain for conceptual purposes, but the body doesn't know that. The body is one unit just performing marvelous things even as I speak, inside, outside, visible, invisible. It's an amazing entity, organic completely unified when it works well. And I think it's the same thing with the body. You know, there are people who, as I say, they're, they're distinguishable because they have this fire, they have this uh, spontaneity, they have this aggressiveness. Others are elements of order and of uh, strength. They provide structure. But you need both. You need both. Imagine if I didn't have a spinal cord or a skeletal system, I'd be just be a blob. A brain there doing things, and so I couldn't walk, I couldn't do... I need a skeleton. I need structure. I need a nervous system that regulates and unifies all of the different impulses and emits all kinds of signals to the organs of the body. So we, we need different uh, organs. And I love, I think one of the things is that, you know, sometimes um, it, it, we, even as we speak about the unity of the body, we don't even know what we're talking about. Because when we see an organ of the body manifesting his or her gift, we denigrate them because it doesn't look like the gift that I have. And I also another thing, by the way, our gifts are also our limitations. Just remember that. This is a very profound thing. Our, our endowments are also our limitations. Every gift emits a shadow. Remember that. Every gift emits a shadow. 
Just like everybody emits a shadow. I'm seeing my shadow right now, right here. And every gift has its limitations. What enables a pastor to, to order a congregation to have the certain kind of soberness in what they do, to observe, to not jump immediately at something, uh, to look at the whole ensemble of a service and to think about the beginning and the end, the older people who are, you know, bothered by a loud noise and the young people who want too much noise. The pastor is there, like the brain, looking at all these things and ordering them. God gives the pastor a kind of uh, temperament for the role that he has assigned to him or her. But you know what? Then God uh, calls an evangelist. And an evangelist is by nature fiery. They minister in different contexts. They, they, uh, they need to be on when they come to inspire energy and to move because they have a short time to intervene and to do certain things. They also have a temperament to be traveling in the air all the time and doing all kinds of things. But a pastor's gift, by the way, that orderliness and that soberness also has its shadow. And sometimes pastors are not uh, very entrepreneurial. They're not very given to take adventures, to take risks, to jump at things, to be, because they, God has called them to be, to, to be elements of order. But they're limited precisely because of that in their neurology, in being able to do other things. Now, sometimes you can have a combination. You can have a major role and a minor function inside of you. And there are different comp complementary things, but you probably often will manage, will move in one energy as your major energy and your major endowment. An evangelist has the limitations, perhaps, of not being able or, or, or endowed to lead a congregation over the long term and to see all the limitations and the, and the potentialities and to have the patience to minister to, to different kinds of things because their, their wiring is for a special function. And sometimes pastors will demand of evangelists certain gifts that they simply, God says, you know, that, that's not what they move in. And evangelists and prophets will demand of pastors certain gifts that God says, that's not the role that I call them for. I've endowed them for this particular function. And sometimes we criticize each other. And we denigrate each other. And I think what God requires of all of us is this, uh, this grandfatherly outlook toward each other. Where we see both the blessings and the giftings and the limitations with tolerant, patient, loving, generous, encouraging eyes. Amen? And, and uh, so this is the kind of a thing about the church. I, I, but I love when we get together, like I think what initiated this train of thought was Friday night. You know, I, I, come, I come here, we, we had this mess up front at the end of the service. Praise the Lord for that. You know, now, I don't know how many fell to the floor because of emotion. I don't know how many fell because of uh, somebody pushed them from behind or whatever. I don't know how many did because the Holy Spirit touched them. You know, ultimately, I don't care. Ultimately, if the Holy Spirit is doing, if things are being in order, and there were a lot of pastoral people watching and keeping order and ministering and, uh, you know, keeping people from getting stomped and all kinds of, because that's part of the whole thing as well. Um, you know, I say, Lord, the, the net result, I leave it in your hands. I know there will be blessing. You know what, what James said uh, Friday night about, you know, if, if you ask God for a stone, or rather, if you ask God for bread, he will not give you a stone. If you ask God for an egg, he won't give you a serpent. I believe that when the Holy Spirit is in a place, 
when there is a spiritual authority, when there is a biblical framework undergirding certain actions, when there is a, when, when there is a congregation seeking the Holy Spirit, and there are watchful eyes managing and um, supervising and making sure that things are being done according to the values of the Holy Spirit. If there is a little mess, well, praise the Lord. That's fine too because it teaches people not to depend on, on just reason. And because sometimes, you know, that's one of the things that really uh, grieves the Holy Spirit. It's just this dependence on reason and, and on, on uh, structure. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's a, it's a human pride. And I'm all asking the Lord, Father, break my, my mind, break my inclination to reason and structure and order. And, uh, you know, let me enjoy just the, the, the fizz of your spirit. You know, parents uh, don't help their kids sometimes by keeping just an orderly environment. Oh, you know, they, don't play with the dirt. You know, don't, don't get your hands dirty. Don't. No, I think your kids, you know, should, you should let them play, make mess, get out on the street, play with the dirty kids in the neighborhood, you know, uh, run around, uh, you know, do things. Commit them to the Lord, you know. Watch them, but uh, let them mess around a bit. Let them get dirty. Let them develop antibodies, you know. Uh, if, they, if they don't get dirty, they won't develop defenses against infections. I mean, with a certain limitation, of course, you know. But uh, I know how it is in the Dominican Republic. You know, kids, when we were kids, all the crazy things that we did, and our parents were clueless somewhere out there, you know, and we were roaming the neighborhood and doing all kinds of crazy things. And I think I turned out basically all right. And, you know, I believe that we need to, we need to do that. And sometimes, you know, hey, when the Holy Spirit is moving, just make sure that nobody gets hurt. But otherwise, you know, you will see messy things. Things will be said that, that, don't, that you don't uh, completely agree with. Things will be done that you say, is this you, Lord? I've learned to just take it with a grain of salt. And I've learned to just enjoy people who come hungry for the Lord. I, I, I enjoy when my congregation gets a little dirty and, and uh, just uh, learns to revel in the effervescence of the presence of God. Because then they can take that attitude and uh, use it to become spirit-filled people. When they study the Word of God, when they spend time in the Word, and as they grow in wisdom and knowledge, you know, they'll put the asterisk in the right place. But there is something that you cannot, um, you cannot duplicate. It is simply that exposure to the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I do agree that truly more is caught than taught because the Holy Spirit is, is contagion. And, you know, I've, I've, I've learned to associate with many unsavory characters in my life who are, spilled, who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they're lacking two front teeth and they carry a big stick with a nail through them. That's what they use to fight. And they got a big, strong belly and they have bad breath, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to be close to them. I want to catch what they have. Then I can add the finesse later on. Okay? But meanwhile, they have something that I need. And I've learned that, uh, you know, not everybody that I associate with in the power of the Holy Spirit is somebody that I want to imitate 100%. Neither will they want to imitate 100% what I have either. But we catch certain energies. 
I know that I am, I am nourished by what happened on Friday night, and I am eating of, of that bread even now. And I've learned that when you move in an environment that glorifies the Holy Spirit, when you move among a people who value this mysterious energy that is the Spirit of God, you are like a healthy child eating good food. And, and uh, somehow you have an energy, you have a, um, an attitude, you have a certainty that other people who don't move in those environments lack. And, and so one of the things, I, you know, you, if you're dainty and squeamish, you will never get to that place where you are full of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why sometimes us, quote-unquote, rational people, highly educated, highly theologically sensitive, often do not get. Because the zone where the Holy Spirit inhabits is a very messy zone. Why? Because by nature it is counter-cultural. It is, it is counter-intuitive. It's not irrational, but it is transrational. It is so rational that it goes beyond reason. I put it that way. And if you are seeking to go through the funnel of reason, what makes sense what is rationally, theologically, because by the way, theology, the word theology has the word logi in it, logos, logic sometimes, study, system, theos, of course, meaning God. And I love theology. I read a lot of theological stuff. I read, but I also know, I take it as a medicine that you got to take it in the right dosage. If you drink too much of a certain medicine, it will kill you and it will weaken you. I, I know that that is not enough, and sometimes it's an impediment. I've, I spend half of my energy just on doing the rational academic wiring of my brain and learning to wade into the waters of the Spirit and just enjoy the ride. Come on. Smell the coffee and, and uh, look at the flowers. Don't be tripping on yourself and thinking and guess, second-guessing you and third-guessing yourself. No, just enjoy the, 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 it is like making love with God. You have to lose your awareness. If you're too self-conscious, you won't go anywhere. It is like that with the Holy Spirit of God. And congregations need to um, cultivate that. The Spirit is person, but He is also energy. It says, I will baptize you with fire. I will baptize you in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop here because I, as I see, I'm going to have to continue. And by the way, I want to ask your forgiveness at the risk of, I, 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 I have one more voyage trip that I need to make. So I'll be out um, in the next couple of Sundays. I'm hesitant to even say that. I'm going with great um, hesitation. But I've learned that the Holy Spirit stays and I'm not, I'm not essential ultimately. And I want you to come regularly to the services. I, I, I encourage you, the ministry of presence, I, I want you here. The Holy Spirit needs you here next Sunday and the following Sunday. There will be good preaching, I assure you. There will be good energy of the Holy Spirit here. Nothing will be lacking. Pray for me as I leave. Uh, but um, I will continue with this teaching when I come back. Because as I see, you know, I didn't even touch what I had here. I'm just kind of assembled in a different way. But I want us to be a spirit-filled congregation. And you will, I, 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 believe me when I say this, that when I teach and preach, I am oriented. That is, that is my goal, always. All the things that I assemble, everything that I, every topic that I discuss is oriented to one thing. It may not seem that way, but it is to wiring, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a spirit-oriented congregation. And some of the teachings that may seem purely doctrinal, 
um, they, they are part of the whole ensemble that is required in order to be a spirit-filled person. Because I tell you one thing, there are beliefs that are an impediment to the Holy Spirit. There are attitudes that are an impediment to the Holy Spirit. And those, those, things, need to be, need, those things need to be torn down, undone, so the person can flow in the Spirit. So there are doctrines that need to be taught in order for the individual to be free enough and clean enough for the energy of the Holy Spirit to move and circulate within them. Because there's a lot of stuff that we believe that is just like cobwebs. They impede, they, they, they prevent the power of God from flowing through us. And there's a lot of demonic teaching that is designed precisely. It seems pious, but it, these are obstacles to the free flow of the Holy Spirit. So a congregation needs to be taught, doctrinated fully in many different ways. But it is all designed to produce a congregation in which the, the power of the Holy Spirit can flow. So, uh, I'm, you know, if you feel, and I'm going to talk about that as well, how to be a spirit-filled person and so on. But um, as we finish this morning in obedience, if you want us to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll stay and then we'll, uh, those of you who want to come forward, you know, we can just minister to each other up, up front. And those of you who have to leave, fully understandable as well. But uh, again, it, it's part of the whole thing. It's part of that search. It's part of that journey. I'll talk about seeking the Holy Spirit as a journey as well, as well as an action and a moment. But um, now, uh, open your heart, open your mind, open your spirit to the Holy Spirit and say, Father, I acknowledge that I need the power. I need the fuel that only you can provide. I need dunamis. I am needy. If you're struggling in your journey, if you're fighting against an addiction of some sort, if, you're, uh, if there's an obstacle in your life that you need breakthrough for, I'm telling you, I want to convince you right now that the, 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 all you need is one encounter with the power of God that will initiate you into a new stage of journey. And then you walk in that. You continue. You may have moments of uh, obstacles that come, disappointments, uh, but you just stay at it. You just stay at it. And the Lord makes sure that your journey is ascendant. You're always going up. You're always growing. You're always victorious. God uses even the falls and the failures to make you stronger, more dangerous against hell. He will, he will not waste one single thing. God is the great recycler of experiences, even the bad ones. He uses it all. It is all victory. It is all gain in, in the life of a believer. Nothing is wasted. The, 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 the enemy doesn't get one single iota of uh, victory over a believer. So we live the life of the Holy Spirit. So right now, ask the, open your mouth spiritually. Open your innards. To the, as I do, to the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, Father, fill me. Father, as I journey in, in this uh, spirit journey as I minister to my people and fill my people as well. Fill, fill each of your people, Father, this morning. Oh, ask for the Holy Spirit. Commit to a life of spirit fullness. Commit to the journey of a warrior hungry for more power, more anointing, more provision. Be hungry for the Spirit and the Spirit will come. Believe me, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will receive it. You will receive Him. It will happen in your life. 
So come forward if you like, and uh, I bless you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence this morning. We want to continue honoring you. And here we are, hungry for you. Spirit of God, come, come. Just come and ask the Lord for a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit this morning. We want more of him. Hallelujah. There's no shame if you have to go. But if you want to stay, we want to we be part of this moment here where we say, Lord, I'm hungry and I want more. I want more of you. Come forward. Come forward. Receive. 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 In Jesus' name. James, come forward and, and minister as well. And anybody else, those of you who are part of our ministry team, Charlotte and others, uh, Michelle, come. If there's anybody else, come on. Don't waste these good resources here. Come on. Ask the Holy Spirit for more. I, I, I would be up down there as well. I want more of the power of God in my life. Let's be a hungry congregation. Let's be a dissatisfied congregation. Let's be a humble congregation. We're not afraid to say, hey, I need, I need a, a fresh portion. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for a spirit-filled congregation, for a, a company of warriors, people who will not be afraid of going to the, the next level because we need you. So don't be afraid. If you, if you feel like you, you need to, the Holy Spirit touches you and you want to shout or jump or fall to the ground, whatever, just let yourself go. Let yourself go. There is no, there is no protocol here. I mean that. There's no protocol here right now, okay? I, I really hope that we can just let the Lord be the Lord this morning. Uh, no elegance. No elegance here this morning, okay? Hallelujah. Just uh, pay attention to the Holy Spirit. That's all, okay? Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And uh, there, just let the Lord be the Lord. Come on. We, we bless you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Fill this place. Fill this place, Lord. Come. Spirit of the Lord is here, as we have said this morning. Amen. So just let the Lord be the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. We want only him. Put your questions to the side right now. And don't be concerned about anything except receiving from the Lord a fresh portion. So that when you leave this morning from here, you, you say, hey, I got what I needed. Okay? And even if you don't feel or experience anything, the Lord will have given you what you need by faith. If you by faith believe. You don't want to just be looking for the signs. You want to be looking for the certainty and the faith in you, okay? So, Father, move as you will. Move in miracles. Move in healings. Move in actions of your spirit. Touch your people this morning, Father. Teach us how to be the people that you need us to be. We proclaim the move of the Holy Spirit. We proclaim fresh energy, fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit. Forget about everything except receiving this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We worship you, God. We worship you. Oh, glorified be your name, Lord. Thank you because you are real. You're the same today, yesterday, and forever. You never change, Lord. We worship you, God. We worship you. We give you glory. Be humble before the Lord. Be desperate for Jesus. Be desperate for his Holy Spirit this morning. Commit to being a spirit-filled man or woman of God. Commit to living in the mysterious life of the Spirit.